been said that when you're faced with the message of the Christmas story, you have two options. You can either accept it or reject it. When you picture Christmas, you likely picture a nativity scene filled with those who embraced the message that night. You picture Mary and Joseph holding their infant son, the son of God. You picture a chorus of angels, a group of shepherds, a number of magi who descended on that manger in order to celebrate and worship the Messiah. Indeed, when you picture Christmas, you likely picture everyone who embraced it, and as you should, that's the story we always hear. But there's another figure embedded within the center of the Christmas story. It's not a figure that helps us understand acceptance, but rejection, deception, and even murder. And don't get me wrong, everything you know about the Christmas story is true. What the Bible says about Mary, it happened. Mary was a young lady betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph, who came from the lineage of King David, the greatest king of Israel. And then one night, Gabriel approached her, the angel, and he said, Mary, You're a favored instrument of God. And you will be an instrument of God's will. And he explained to Mary that she would be the mother of the Messiah. And and she was perplexed by this. And she asked the question, how can this be possible? And that's when she heard from Gabriel one of the greatest truths of Scripture. Or Gabriel said, nothing's impossible with God. What you know about Joseph, that happened too. His concern about how things were going. Who can blame him? To learn that the woman that you're betrothed to is going to have a child that isn't yours. And Joseph loved Mary. He wanted to protect her, so he was going to send her away. But God intervened and spoke to Joseph. And explain to him about the good news of great joy, which will be for all people. And that child will be the Messiah, the promised champion of God that can reconcile mankind to a relationship with God. And who can forget the favorite part of the story, the shepherds? Where God announced the coming of the Messiah to a group of outcasts. Shepherds who were so lowly they were kicked out of their own town when it got too full. Shepherds who were so lowly that they were cast away from community and even told that they couldn't have communion with God. God could have announced the Messiah to come to anyone, but he didn't. He chose to announce the Messiah to lowly shepherds, outcasts. A message that has brought hopes to generations of outcasts and outsiders. But there's another figure in the Christmas story. My boss, 
a man named Herod, Herod the Great. He liked to be called King of the Jews, but he wasn't born with that title. In fact, he wasn't actually technically Jewish. He was Idumean from the descendants of Esau. Many believe he converted to Judaism when he was young. But there are always a number of Jewish leaders who question the sincerity of his conversion. But Herod, Herod was an insightful man and an opportunist And he aligned himself with Rome at just the right time and convinced them that he was the right man to lead the people of Jerusalem. It was the Senate of Rome that gave Herod the title King of the Jews. It was the Senate of Rome that gave Herod his armies. It was the Senate of Rome that gave Herod his power. And don't get me wrong, Herod had his gifts. When he was younger, he was an excellent military leader. On top of that, Herod had this uncanny ability to collect taxes from Jews and give it to Rome. But Herod's greatest gift, his greatest talent, was his ability to build a kingdom. Herod built one of the greatest amphitheaters of his era. Herod built the port city of Caesarea that brought trade and travel to that entire region. It was Herod who built this impenetrable fortress at Masada. And it was Herod who who built the Herodian temple. Who added on to the worship place of the Jews. Who was so grand. It was so extensive that people believed that he was trying to somehow repay God for all the failures of his life. But in all his strengths and all his talents, make no mistake, Herod was an unscrupulous man. He was merciless. He was a tyrant. He was a man who would always cheat to get to the top, and he would kill anyone who stood in his way of building his kingdom on earth. In fact, it was Herod who killed his brother-in-law. He killed his own wife. He killed his mother-in-law. He slaughtered three of his sons in a fit of rage. See, Herod was always worried and concerned that someone was going to come in and undermine his rule. So make no mistake, Herod was bloodthirsty and he was a tyrant. And that's why when I began to hear the stories of that first Christmas, I was worried and I started to watch Herod. Our whole community did. But for the first couple months, after the shepherds, after the angelic chorus, Nothing really happened. It's as if majority of the people ignored the message. There were some who embraced it. But a more majority of the people, including Herod, chalked it up as just crazy talk. 
But all that changed one night. One night when the magi, the wise men, the people known as kingmakers, when they rode into town, in our time, magi were understood to be those who would be present for the coronation and education of newly crowned kings. And so the magi rode into Jerusalem with the jubilation and expectation that everyone would expect with hundreds of soldiers and singers and dancers. And they went into the streets of Jerusalem and started to ask this question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And no one knew what to say. Because if Herod would kill his own wife, his own children in order to protect his kingdom, what would he do to this young infant who is said to be born king of the Jews? Well, it didn't take long for the news of the Magi to reach the palace. And unfortunately, I was the one who had to alert Herod. So I went into his bedchambers and woke him up, alerted him to the news, and he, he responded just as I expected. He lunged out of bed in a rage and he, ex he commanded me to go into town and wake up all of the theologians and all of the priests and have them come into his chambers. And as I brought all of those religious leaders into his chambers, I could see they were just as concerned as Herod was because of what the Magi said were true. what the Magi said was real. It would be an end to their unscrupulous leadership and odd religious requirements and corrupt standards as they center circled around Herod. Herod asked them, in your prophecies, where would it be said that this Messiah would be born? And they answered, Bethlehem. And Herod responded with a scoff as if he was surprised. Bethlehem, there's nothing but sheep herders and bakers in that small town. Maybe I don't need to be worried after this so-called king after all. But I could tell. He was concerned. Still. With his newly found information, he ushered them out of his chambers and instructed me to welcome the Magi in. And as the Magi entered, I saw a change in Herod. He was a master manipulator. All of a sudden, his face that was red with anger suddenly was calm and peaceful. His steps that were filled with the speed of nervousness and confusion were now calm and collected. Even his greeting changed, or he embraced each and every one of the Magi, and then instructed me to give them a seat at his table and a drink in their hand. And then playing as dumb as ever, Herod said, why have you come to Jerusalem? The Magi went into the Old Testament promise of prophet Daniel and how his teachings had been cast down from generation to generation of magi and how Daniel had taught. 
that the presence of God of all creation would descend in human form. That he would be the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And that God in the presence of man would bring hope, love, peace, and joy. Bring reconciliation between man and God. He'd be a blessing to all tribes and nations and people. They told Herod that, that Daniel had taught them to look for the sign of the glory of God. And so for generations, Magi looked and searched until finally the glory of God shining like a star. And that's what brought them to Jerusalem. That's when Herod leaned in with a smile on his face. How long has it been since you've seen that star? When the Magi answered, Herod let them know that they would find the Messiah in the little town of Bethlehem. And then he asked them, when you find him, will you please return to me and let me know where he is so I can go and worship him too. But I want to tell you, every court official in there knew Herod is going to kill that child. But we couldn't tell what the Magi thought because they simply stood up, stood up and walked away. And that's when I received the last directive I ever received from Herod. He said, Marcus, I want you to go with them and see what they see and return to me and report what you find. And that decision to follow those magi, that night I saw something that changed my life forever. By the time I caught up with the Magi, they were finishing packing their horses in their caravan when suddenly a light just dropped from heaven and everyone fell to their knees and we covered our eyes for fear of blindness. But I remember as I was covering my eyes, I could feel the heat of the light radiating, but I could also reach out my hand and at the same time feel the cool mist of the air. And just as suddenly... As the light came, it moved. And it began to guide the caravan through the streets of Jerusalem all the way to Bethlehem. When it turned down the street, we turned down the street. And it reminded me of what the scripture said, how God guided the people of Israel through the desert after he rescued them from Egypt. And I got to tell you, as I followed that light, I had this unimaginable peace in my heart. I had this overwhelming joy in my life. And even as that light led us down a dark alley, I didn't fear because somehow I just had this confidence that the presence of God was with me. We followed that light all the way until all of a sudden it rested on top of a modest home. 
And I want to tell you, even the most modest of home filled with the presence of God is more glorious than the palace of Herod and a thousand kings combined. When the Magi reached that humble home, they started to blow their trumpets and the rest of their group began to cry out in celebration. Even the horses, even the horses snorted and and stomped their feet in celebration as if the entire creation celebrated that moment. And I want to tell you, even in my own heart, there is excitement about what I was going to see. And for the first time in my life, I began to wonder, could the stories be true? Had the Messiah truly come? All that commotion must have woken up the neighbors as they started to come down into the street. They were able to witness the Magi coming down from their horses and carrying their expensive gifts. And I followed them into the humble home and I didn't know what to expect. If the Magi were right, what would this child look like? If he truly was the presence of God, would he glow like the light that guided us? If he truly was the presence of God, would it be enormous and powerful like the image of God in my mind? But when I went into that home, all I found was a humble child. but I wasn't prepared for how this child looked at me. It was as if he looked beyond the grizzled exterior of a court official, and he looked right into my heart, searching for an honest seeker. When I looked back in the eyes of the child, I saw a warmth that was indescribable but yet there was a strength that was unmistakable. And that's when I knew this was no ordinary child. The Messiah had come. The presence of God had arrived. The champion of salvation had come. And I wasn't the only one who saw it because all of a sudden all the magi in unison knelt down and worshiped the child and gave their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I don't know what had happened, but all of a sudden I found that I was kneeling and worshiping as well, indicating to all who would see an awakening of my own soul. Then one by one, the Magi nodded to Mary and Joseph and backed away and left the home. And when they were done, I did the same. By the time I got back out to the caravan, The Magi were already packing up and they were heading out, but they were going the wrong way, the opposite way of Jerusalem. And I stopped him and said, hey, 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 aren't you going back to Herod? One of the magi smirked, said, no. God alerted us to who Herod was. And he told us about his devious plans. 
or going home another way. And he looked at it and said, well, what am I supposed to say? After what we saw, what am I supposed to do? That's why a different magi at that time looked at me and he said, Marcus, it's been said that there's one of two options to respond to the miracle you've seen tonight. You can accept it or you can reject it. And he said, Herod's rejected it. Marcus, what will you choose? And that question pierced my heart and has remained in my soul from that day since. He was right about Herod. Herod rejected it. In fact, he attempted to kill that child. He ordered that every child two years and below who was a boy was to be killed, not just in Bethlehem, but the surrounding cities as well. But God protected the Messiah. And soon after, Herod died a miserable, painful, lonely death. And he suffered the curse of rejecting the message of Christmas. As for me, I never went back to the palace. I never told Herod what I saw. But instead, I've told everyone else what I know that happened that night. I tell him about Gabriel talking to Mary. I talk him about God teaching Joseph. I teach him about the angels giving that message to the lowly shepherds. And I tell them about the wise men. And I tell them about what I saw. The story of Christmas changed my life. The Messiah saved my soul. And I've never regretted it. You know, can I ask you, how have you responded to the story of Christmas? It's been said, there's only really two options. You can accept it, or you can reject it. Years later, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he shared these words. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so tonight, I light the final candle. Signifying the light of Christ. This light changed my life. May the light of Christ, may it change yours. May it fill your life with hope, with peace. 
the love of God and his joy. May it continually fill you. May it continually transform you. May you embrace it. And may you share it with everyone you come in contact with. God bless you. Merry Christmas.